0: It's the Five at the Back Soccer Podcast.
1: Welcome back to another edition of Five at the Back Podcast, where we talk all things English Premier League. Make sure you take a minute, follow us on Twitter at uh, 5ATB. We'd love to interact with you. We'd love to uh, have you uh, chat with us and uh, follow along with us. We've got an exciting episode uh, coming up. You'll notice it is Philip again on the mic. Um, Charles, um, luckily, everything went really well with his family. He is flying um, back home, and he will be your host again next week. But what that means is you get a special treat two weeks in a row. We have our friend uh, Christian representing Manchester United, who will be joining us again.
2: Welcome back, Christian. Thanks for uh, helping out. Thank you. Hey, before Uh, we go on, I have a quick question. I thought – I wasn't aware of any of the games that uh played today. Does anyone know the scores? Ah, I see Christian is
1: absolutely so, buzzing cuz his United team uh looked like world beaters again. So, you know, one uh, one loss by the champions and uh they're the back. Oh, you were there lost. What, were there what was the score? I don't you know. I don't even remember it was so high. Oh, but guess what? Okay. well, uh, so we're, we're going to go over that in a recap. So uh, you're jumping ahead. You didn't read the screen sheet here. So we'll get to that, and you can have your uh, you can have your fun shots at us. But um, we're going to jump into it. Uh, we've got a really exciting episode. Um, so we are going to uh, continue the second part of our season overview. I'm going to throw it over to Scott, and he is going to give us. Um, a recap of the middle uh, of the pack for the EPL and so what we did is we um, we froze the table before episode last week we broke down the table into three um, chunks and Scott's going to cover the seven middle teams Scott what do you got for us
3: thank you sir so some things have changed obviously but at the the time where we froze the table uh, Spurs were next in line sitting in seventh currently Spurs are sitting in ninth on 45 points, a goal difference of uh, a positive seven. Um, if I had to pick a quick summary of the season, I would say a dumpster fire. It, From start to today, it's just been it's just been a dumpster fire. So I'll give you some context. So you, you break the season into two sections for Spurs. It's the Pochettino section and the Mourinho section. So under Pochettino, at the end of last year, he kind of went on record in interviews into the fans. And I think it was a message to Daniel Levy that we needed to undergo a painful rebuild is what he kept calling it. And what he meant was we need to be willing to let go of some players, sell them even if we don't make a profit and replace them. There's, you know, we're getting older. We need to refresh the squad. And over the summer, we did some good business. We brought in LaCelso who's been great. And Don Belay a great player. But we didn't quite do enough selling and replacing. So it got a little bit stale. And immediately at the beginning of the season, we had some injuries. Juan uh, Foyt got hurt. Hugo Lloris missed several games. And then the team kind of tuned him out. The, the Champions League final loss took a lot of emotion out of the club. And it just never recovered. We were leaky in the back, the, soft in the middle of, of defense. We were allowing too many shots, lethargic. We didn't press well. And, and when a Pochettino, a Pochettino team is not pressing well, something is wrong. That's kind of the key, the stalwart of, of the of a well-coached, well-drilled Pochettino team. So he was sacked in November. And then the next day, we hired Mourinho. So that's kind of the section two of the season. So say what you want about Mourinho. The the football, the soccer has not been beautiful, but it's been better. So Pochettino had us on 1.1 points per game, which if you if you take that out for the whole season, that's 42 points. So that is firmly in a relegation battle. So if somebody wants to have the argument with me that sacking him and hiring Mourinho was a mistake, please come find me on Twitter. I'd be glad to have that conversation. Uh, Mourinho is up to 1.7 points per game, so that's a significant increase. He's at, he's won half the games he's managed for us, and Poch this season was only a 25% win rate. We're we're just we're scoring more. We're still conceding about as many with Mourinho as we were with Pochettino. And I think there's some structural issues with the squad. Um, So Mourinho hasn't quite fixed that and I think he'll get there because that's if anything Mourinho is gonna have a tight defense and I think he needs time to work with with the players on that. So what I did is I went back for all these clubs since the turn of 2020 uh, match week 21 and I I wanted to see where they were throughout the table. So I plotted everybody's um, table trends for for the year. So Spurs have bounced between fifth and we've been as low as eighth. So we've been upper mid table to um, to the back end of the European spots. And I chose a player of the year for each club. And ours, I think is obvious, is obviously um, Sun Hyung-min. He's a forward, He scored buckets of goals. He's in the top top uh, 10 of the league in assists. He's just done everything for us. Best result, I have: uh, we beat City 2-0 in February. Now, admittedly, that was on the back of his Zinchenko red card. It was nil-nil at the time, but hey, um, it is what it is, we took that one home. And our worst loss was kind of the nail in uh, pochettino's coffin it was a three nil away to brighton which is embarrassing to read uh so that's all i have for spurs little recap of, i don't know if you guys have anything you want to pitch in on the Spurs season so far
2: i do i i absolutely do so uh so your points difference differential between pochettino and Mourinho is like 0. 0.6 is that what the difference is yes sir all right so let me ask you this so last last season was amazing to Spurs fans they played some of the best football Spurs fans have probably seen since forever Ever. so would you trade the entertainment because Spurs don't win trophies right so you would you watch them just because they play good good football so would you trade the amazing football that you saw last year for Mourinho style that we saw today
3: so it's funny you ask that. Uh, In my opinion, the the decline actually started in December of 2018. Um, So the the back half of last year in the league, if you look at our league form over the back half of 19 was abysmal. We slid terribly. Now we made it to the Champions League final. So it still, you're right. It's a memorable season. There were some amazing moments. The, The second half of the Ajax away game in the Champions League semifinal will forever be cemented in my mind one of the most emotional right? moments for me as Amazing a sports fan game. yeah
4: game. so
3: it's a good question I, I'm not willing to just write Mourinho off as not being entertaining at all and I'll talk a little bit about that today when we talk about the recap of the game today um, if you're asking me do I get my Pochettino which was the one from two years ago or or this Mourinho of course I'm going to take prime Prime Pochettino on that, that Spurs squad. But we don't. Erickson's gone. Vertonghen's gone this summer. It's just a different team. And, and I think that the, the t- squad we have was just not, not there for Pochettino anymore. We, we needed to do what he wanted to do. We needed to get rid of half a dozen of them and replace them with, with younger guys who were going to press and want to earn their way. We have right. too many players who, are, who think they're, they're here. They've, they've arrived. They're on the team sheet. And that's part of our problem. And I think that that rebuild needs to happen. And I think the, the fact that Daniel Levy is will? willing to pay, I, I, I think Levy wants to make money and the best way to make money is to be good, especially in a new stadium. If he's willing to sack Pochettino, pay, pay what he's paying him and pay what he's paying Mourinho, it would be absolutely ridiculous for him not to be willing to invest something in the squad. Otherwise you're flushing 30 million pounds a year down the toilet and your stadium's going to be empty. And we have to we have to service that debt. So I think that the logic and I'm one of my biggest things in life is assuming everyone is gonna do the most rational, smartest thing. Obviously that's not always the case, but when you have a smart person, and I think Levy say say what you want about Levy, I think he's very intelligent. The most intelligent thing he can do is invest in the squad to the point where at least Mourinho is comfortable that he can take it there. It's not gonna be Real Madrid, it's not gonna be his Chelsea, but it can be a better version of his Spurs that we're seeing today. Cool, who's next? All right, next is Sheffield. So they are now sitting seventh. They're on 47 points with a goal difference of, of plus one, which thanks to my dearly beloved Spurs, uh, was negative one going into today, but we've gotten them back onto the positive side. So I kind of touched on this last week. They. They're newly promoted from the championship. So if you told them a year ago, hey, you're gonna stay up this year, they would have, they didn't care what it looks like. They would have been proud to say, yep, I'll take 17th. Don't even tell me how we did, I'm here for it. So to say everything after what I'm about to say is they're an absolute a Cinderella story. Incredibly impressive that they are where they are. And you saw today in the Spurs match, the things that they can do to, to frustrate teams and then strike when the opportunity hits. And the, the real thing that they've had this year, they've had a very solid defense. They're very well organized. You know what you're going to get out of them. And they've been a very consistent squad. You know who's going to be out there on the pitch for them. And they've actually, including today's match, they've only conceded 32 goals all season, which is the third fewest in the league. That's very, very impressive for a newly promoted side. And they've also been incredibly consistent. That going back to match week 21, like I discussed with Spurs, they haven't been lower than eighth at the end of any match week. This is Sheffield. Sheffield United. I mean they, they haven't been in the top flight in how how long, Christian, do you even know the last time Sheffield was in in the premiership? So I don't. For it's, them, been, it's been a while. Right. Right. They, on, I, they I, didn't,
4: I, didn't actually even win the championship last year. Norwich did.
3: Right. Right. So it's the consistency has been impressive. Um and and for me, the player of the year there, Christian, you'll either agree with this or feel good about it. I think it's gotta be Dean Henderson. And, and the reason they've only conceded the 32 goals like i said and you guys know i'm in the I'm into stats i like the stats their expected goals conceded is 44. and to me that means two things one you've got a hell of a keeper and two your team does a great job of getting in the way of shots blocking shots so it's both but i think henderson has played a pivotal role in not conceding what they could have conceded based on the shot they faced. The results of the year for them, uh, they beat Arsenal, um, that hit the skids. The worst result of the season, they lost 2-0 at home to Newcastle. Now, Newcastle's flying now, but in December, Newcastle was, they hadn't even started their engines. So losing 2-0 to Newcastle in December is a huge, a huge result for Newcastle. So that's everything I have for Sheffield. Do you guys have anything you want to touch on?
1: No I, uh, no, I think they've no. had a great
3: season. Right. Great. So I will keep on plowing along. So next, my uh, my favorite, obviously, Arsenal. I, I promise I'm not going to take pleasure in this one. Well, they're above us now. They're in eighth. Spurs are in ninth. So they're they're in eighth, sitting at 46 points with a goal differential of, of pl- uh, plus six, thanks to their Norwich win. So they're very similar, and this makes me sick. Their their season is very similar to Spurs. So they sacked Unai Emery in November, um, right right when we sacked Pochettino. A little bit before or after, excuse me. We sacked Pochettino. Now they replaced him with Mikel Arteta. He was coaching with Pep at City, and the Spurs season review was dumpster fire. Arsenal's is really just too many draws. They've drawn 13 games. 13. That is that is outrageous. Um, for for a club with that much talent and that many that many that as much money to spend, that that is to me ridiculous. And if you guys remember back in August, they spent 70 million on Nicolas Pepe out of France, and he's been very good this year. He really has been good, but he wasn't what they needed. It's the classic Arsenal signing. It's the the wide midfielder. It's the wide forward that can get forward and and attack. But he can disappear and he doesn't impact the game where they need it. They still need more help in the middle. They brought in Danny Ceballos on loan from Spain and that was a good signing, the cheap loan, but he struggled for fitness. So he couldn't help them even though he was the right type of signing. They've been too loose at the back. They've been weak in the midfield, just like Spurs. Now they they have faced a fair amount of injuries and fitness issues, but again, their club with the profile and financial resources to overcome that and they just haven't. They've really got to do some business over the summer in the midfield and central defense to give Arteta a chance. I mean, you saw what happened when they lost their, a couple of players, to injury against City. They fell apart completely and got destroyed. So they need. I think Arteta can be a good manager for them, but he needs help. So going back to match week 21, they've been in 10th, 73% of those weeks. I mean, just bang, bang average, bang mid table. And the other 17% is ninth. So they haven't, it's just, this is what Arsenal is right now, I'm afraid. And unless they do a lot of business, they're going to be 8th to 12th next season. They've just got to improve. Got to improve. Uh, Player of the year for them I have is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Uh, Very close second to Pepe, but Aubameyang scored 19 goals now, 17, 18 goals after yesterday. And that has been everything to that side and a side that struggled. Best result? Christian, shout out here, uh, was a 2-0 win at Old Trafford in January. The worst result was a 3-0 thrashing to City in December, followed up by a similar result a couple of weeks ago. That's everything I have on Arsenal. Do you have anything to chip in there, guys? So Um,
2: Arsenal's problem is uh, the thing that you're going to have. They have no money, right? So they need a big great players in center of defense because david louise is just terrible so they need a commanding center half and they just don't have the money to buy him
4: why don't they have the money
0: if they're a big club that was my question as well so so a lot of that money is spent ahead. on
3: the stadium mm-hmm.
2: now so one thing in
3: the stadium i think there's there's two minor differences between us and arsenal i agree that we we will struggle with the finances if we let it become that way from what I've seen I'm, I'm not a financial expert I, I do a little bit of that professionally but I'm not a football financing expert we've handled the debt and the structuring of our debt a little bit differently than Arsenal they were very aggressive in how they paid that off and we've the way we've structured our debt and how we're going to service that debt is going to be mostly offset by the naming rights and there's a reason that it's still called Tottenham Hotspur Stadium not to get into the boring nitty-gritty of, of soccer but I think that the largest chunk of that debt for Spurs will be offset by the naming rights, but you're right. We will struggle a little bit. I don't think we'll struggle like Arsenal. And that's where I think that having a Mourinho as a manager versus Arteta, you know, having some cachet to the name, a player is going to be more willing to come. Oh, good, all the silverware. Like the players are going to see the silverware Mourinho's one. They're not going to think about the cobwebs in Spurs trophy cabinet. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I don't know.
2: Go on.
1: Sketch. Also, so Eric and Jen, thinking about it, uh, both Spurs and Arsenal have had to build brand new stadiums. recently where we have a stadium and we added the main stand and added, I think like five or 10,000 seats. There's another plan for another five or 10,000 seats. So that is a lot, a lot less of a chunk of money to spend to increase your um, size and the ticket revenue. Now Spurs, Scott, correct me if I'm wrong, their stadium
3: quite a bit larger than their last one and able to have more fans or. Yes. So, so our capacity went up about 90% our our revenue generated from the stadium is going to more than double than what it was before so long term we will be closer to arsenal liverpool from a revenue perspective than we were before we were nowhere near the the top five before that so we will approach that eventually but we've just got to get there it's open it's there there's nobody in it at the at this time obviously but one thing that's different from us and arsenal is we Spend a lot of money and time developing the area around Tottenham, the, the borough of of Tottenham, hotels, infrastructure, grocery stores, schools, all kinds of stuff. Now a lot of that is is financed from non club money. It's a, another subsidiary, but still it, it's a, it's a whole regeneration, a rejuvenation of the area. So it, it's really good from from the location's perspective, but it, it'll be interesting how Spurs handle it.
1: That's also why you haven't had a ton of money to spend on refreshing the club the last couple of years, because you knew that was coming. So now that you're kind of through that, it, it might change. But um, Scott, who you got next on the list?
3: Very exciting. Very exciting next, next club, Crystal Palace. Oof. Just makes your spine tingle, right? So Crystal Palace are sitting 12th on 42 points, a goal differential of negative nine. So the problem for Palace has been an attack. So they they take the second fewest shots per game and the second fewest total goals scored on the season. Now for a club like Palace, uh, they're a London side. They're a relatively relatively big club compared to some of the other clubs on this list. And they've got Andres Townsend. And Christian Benteke has been injured, but he's he's a good player. Jordan Ayu is a pretty good player. So I think that their attack has really stifled them. The good news for them is they've organized a very good defense. They've been very solid and stable. So their floor is higher in most matches than, mo- than other clubs. And it's interesting. I went through and I looked at some of their matches. They've won 11 matches this season. Only three of the 11 were by more than one goal. And they were both 2-0. So they haven't won a game all season by more than two goals, which is-, is why you see them in the top half or near the top half with a negative nine goal differential. If they win, they're beating you by one and it's ugly and literally nobody wants to watch it. Now one thing I saw that made it interesting for me for them was their expected goals conceded versus their actual goals conceded. Their expected goals conceded was 47 and they've actually only conceded 37. So if they regress to what, what the numbers would expect, they're going to concede way more goals and for a club that's not scoring them, that might get ugly for them unless they do some business or make some changes next season. So regarding their league position over the last several months or last several league months. They've been consistently top half, but they have been as low as 14. And when you don't score many, many goals and you draw a lot of matches, you end up with, with a position like that. Player of the year for them, I have Wilf Zaha as a wide forward. I almost put Jordan Ayo in here because he scored the most goals and he's, he's leading the line very well. But Zaha just impacts every match. I mean, you, Liverpool, you guys know when Zaha went down, in that match, you're like, ooh, okay. You're like, oh, no, Jordan Ayu's in. Like, nobody says that. Zaha impacts the match like nobody would believe. And I wish we, we put a bid in for him at Spurs several times. Laughably low bid, uh, of course. But he's just a huge player, a huge player. And he's everything for them. Best result they picked up, another another one, sorry, Christian. A 2-1 win at Old Trafford. Uh, their worst result was a 2 0 loss to Southampton back in January. Like I said, there's not a lot of goals in their matches. So you're not going to find a big, uh, a big win or a big loss either way. I'm going to keep going through here, and if we have any discussion with these clubs, we can get it at the end. So Burnley is next on the list. They are 10th currently on 45 points with the same goal differential of negative nine. So Burnley's interesting. They've they've been the, in the league for uh, several years now, and they're starting to grow. Try to be more a little more more progressive with the ball. But their strength this year has been in set pieces. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, a set piece is a free kick, a corner kick, a goal directly from a throw in something that's not from just a standard attack, knocking the ball around and then scoring the goal. So they've scored 10, 10 goals from set pieces. And that's 28% of their total goals scored, which is the fifth highest in the league. And anybody else in the top half is not even close to 28%. They're surrounded by relegation clubs. Typically, your top half club—they're scoring goals on the counter, they're scoring goals from open play. So Burnley is really bunkered in. They want to get that set piece, and they're going to—they're going to try to get in with the, from a corner or from or for a header from a set piece. So they—they've actually had the most impressive, as far as I'm concerned, trend on the league position. They were 15th when I began plotting the league positions, and they've risen steadily almost every week up to as high as ninth. 15th tonight very steady only one week did they actually drop in league positions they've been incredibly consistent in their rise for me the player of the year for them is chris wood he's a striker he's got 11 goals one assist which 11 goals on a squad with only 28 that's critical to to the to the point total they have they're one of those clubs where the whole team really contributes every match but his contribution to their goal tally is just too much to ignore best result uh, they beat Southampton, 3-0 on opening day. That's, that's huge considering they've only got, uh, got that many goals. They got them all that in one match. And then embarrassingly, they lost 5-0 to Spurs, which you guys know it's been a, a tough season for us back in December. That was one of Mourinho's first matches. Mm-hmm. Next, They beat United Everton as well. currently. Do what?
2: They beat United as well.
3: Oh, I didn't want to keep piling on you here, Christian. You're a guest. <laughs> yeah. I did that for you.
2: Hey,
3: Next so what is, do you think of their, their manager, Sean Dyche? Sean Dyche, it's interesting. I think what he's done for them is incredibly impressive. I worry that they're going to get greedy, though. You know, these clubs get in the, they get in the premiership. They stay for a few years. And they're like, you know what? We could do better. We could do better. And I worry that they might get greedy, let him go, and then hire Alan Pardew or someone like that and try to get them to, to move up. But then Dyche will take some, somebody who's toward the bottom of the table and he'll take them right back to Burnley.
1: Like hire David Moyes or something.
3: Well, West Ham was relegated, so that's why I was thinking Moyes. <laughs> Steve um, Bruce, Moyes, parju, one of those classic rehires.
4: Speaking of so Moyes Everton, well done <laughs>
3: Everton's next. They're currently sitting eleventh. And Everton's an interesting one for me. They're they're on forty four points with a goal difference of negative seven. So they're similar to Spurs and Arsenal. They they had a midseason sacking. Marco Silver was sacked in December after only 18 months at the club. And he had a very interesting departure from Wolves that I thought was strange because Wolves were, he had them humming and then he left at an odd time to go to Everton. Now Everton's a big club. Don't, don't look at me like that. I know, I know Liverpool fans. They are a big club compared to, to Wolves, um, but where Wolves were in the table, it was just odd to me. And 18 months, 18 months later, here he is looking for a job. But, Carlo Ancelotti is a big-time manager. So the fact that Everton were able to attract him, I think, speaks to the, the project that they have going and the potential that they have. So what they've been good at is creating chances. They've had a ton of chances. What they've not been good at is finishing the chances. They've got 48 expected goals this season, but they've only actually scored 38. That is the second largest disparity in the league. If they were on 48, they would be much higher in this list if they'd actually scored those 48 goals. So because of that, I think that they're a, a candidate for positive aggression next season. Remember I was talking about Palace sliding back on the table. I think Everton are probably going to make a leap next season. One, Ancelotti's a huge manager. Two, the data says so. And three, I think they're going to make some big, big time acquisitions for Everton. They're going to make some smart moves and they're going to strengthen that squad. What what Ancelotti's done, Silva is very, I don't want to say he's rigid, but he doesn't give his players the freedom that Ancelotti does. Ancelotti's very savvy. He's he's a player's manager. He comes in, he reads the room. He's like, all right, these guys are tight. What do I what do I need to do? And he just lets them play. He's like, all right, we're going to loosen it up. We're going to kind of an old Spurs thing was with Harry Redknapp. He said, just run around a bit. Just go score some goals. That was back when we had bail and we were flying. And that's kind of what Ancelotti's done. Line up in a 4-4-2 four, four, and just go play. And the, the key thing that he's done is he's paired Calvert-Lewin and Rich Arlisson up top. And those guys have pace for days. And they just get in behind and stretch the defense. And what what that does, is that allows their fullbacks to get forward. And they've actually got a really interesting pair of fullbacks that has, they're both in the top six of assists for defenders in the league. Now, Liverpool, I bet you two, Eric, Skiff, and John, you guys can probably guess who's first and second in the league for fullback assists. It's Alexander-Arnold. Oh, Trent, Trent Alexander-Arnold and, and, and Andy. And Andy, that's right. But interestingly enough, Everton have Jibril Sidibe and Lucas Dine, who are, who are fourth and sixth, respectively. That's pretty impressive given the, the amount of goals they've scored. They've contributed 10 assists together. And that's very interesting given where they are and how many goals they've scored, that their fullbacks are very good at getting forward. And that's critical for where they are as a club. So mm-hmm. since match week 21, they actually have risen as high as ninth, but they've been hovering around 11th or 12th. Now, when Ancelotti took over, they were very close to the relegation battle, so he's he's come a long way. Newcastle, my last club oh, here. Wait. They are. Hold on, hold on. Nope, sorry. I just wanted
4: to say something about Everton real quick. You, um, really? I think yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> I I think with the new manager, he's got the name recognition that's going to allow them, and the pedigree that's going to allow them to um, get some some signings that they otherwise probably wouldn't be able to get.
0: I agree, because Ancelotti's got that pedigree that Marco Silva didn't have. I remember Ancelotti used to give us crap at uh, Napoli in the Champions League as well. He's a proven manager, so as much as I hate to do it, you got to give it to him. I think they're, and I hate saying this, they're on the upswing. I really do.
3: I agree.
1: Speaking of teams on the upswing with a little bit of money in their pockets now, Newcastle.
3: Newcastle. So this is an interesting one. They're 13th with 42 points with a goal difference of negative 10. Now their result this week really picked that up. And we were talking about English uh, retread hires. Steve Bruce is like the mascot for that. So they hired him over the summer. You know what you're going to get from him? Most of the time, he likes to be organized. He likes to, you know, be very tight at the back, but they've not really been good at anything, to be honest with you. They've been very poor in attack. They've only scored 16. goals from open play. Now, open play is the opposite of a set piece. Uh, it's basically anything where you 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 know you get you have possession, you're pinging the ball around, you're whipping across and then you score. So that's from open play. They've scored the second fewest open play goals in the league. Where the counter comes into that is on set pieces. They've been one of the strongest in the league. The second most set piece goals, they've scored 12. 41% of their total tallies from set pieces, which is one of the highest in the league. So what they want to do is they want to set up, frustrate you and try to win that free kick. In, in your half and knock a ball in and let one of their guys head it in from from, uh, from close. They've had a really bad defense, though. Individual errors, the keeping's not been great. It's just they, they leak too many goals. It's just the defense is bad. I, I honestly am impressed that they're where they are, given some of the struggles that they've had. So with them, they've been between 12th and 14th every week, very, very solidly mid-table. And their player of the year is the epitome of solid league mid-table. And this might strike a nerve. I'm not sure how you guys feel about him. John Joe Shelby. Um, he scored five goals for midfield, which is great. He's also contributing going forward and and in defense. I will say uh, Alan Saint-Maximin, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. He's French. is very exciting young forward. He's, he's contributing to some goals. He's not quite been consistent enough to, to overtake Shelby for me, but he's been very impressive. The best result, Christian a 1-0 win at Old Trafford. No, it's at home. Sorry, at home in October. Uh, worst result was losing 3-1 to Norwich. Norwich has only won five matches. So to be one of the five is not good. Um, so that's never good to be on the opposite side of Norwich. So that's all I have for the recap. I don't know if you guys have anything you want to talk about from those clubs before we move on.
0: Do you, do you guys think with the new owners of Newcastle, they'll, you'll see um, some big transfers for them this summer?
1: Yeah, I think Pochettino is
0: going to coach them.
3: No
1: way. <laughs> I don't
0: know. I mean,
1: they they, they might be like um, Everton of five or six years ago, having to overpay for middle um, middle tiered players. I mean, it's Newcastle. It's not you know, it's not a club that is contending right now. But I mean, who knows? With uh, with the lack of money that a lot of teams have to spend right now, with a fresh injection of
2: cash, um, they could conceivably pull it off. I think. Well, Newcastle are a massive, massive club. If they get a lot of money going into that club, they're going to be hard to stop.
3: And what worries me is I think that the, the first reaction for a new owner with a lot of money is to splash it, Pochettino. Any one of these big names who's free, and I think all those big names are going to turn them down. So they may end up going to an up-and-comer, somebody who's at a club that doesn't have a lot of money. And if they get the right one... That's in a lot of cases can be better than just the big name and they might accidentally get it right. And that sucks because they are a huge club, like Christian said, and they're going to be nothing but competition. If they get it right, could be competition for everybody. And the way we've struggled, I don't need any more of that at Spurs. They can just stay down there mid table or go back to the championship. I'm worried that they get it right. I guess uh, only time will tell at this point. So
1: um, we are going to go ahead and um, do quick recap of our feature matches from last week. Uh, It's going to be Scott and I recapping them and we are both bitter about it. um, So I'm going to keep mine really short. Um, Listen, uh, I didn't get to see the Guard of Honor live. I was on a meeting, but I watched uh, the replays. Thank you for that city uh the game it started uh completely wide open both teams going back and forth um liverpool had a couple of chances um they didn't convert their chances they were pressing really well um they had city scrambling on the back foot and then um brahim sterling uh dived like he needed 10.0 uh to win the olympic gold medal and uh that just changed the whole game um so they got the penalty they got the lead and then you know, at that point, I'm looking over at Robbo and uh, I swear if you were to taste his sweat, you would taste a straight scotch uh, coming out of his sweat because our whole team is just gassed from celebrating for the past week. I mean, ultimately, the game, at the end of the day, uh, listen, we're champions. I mean, nothing's going to change that. You know, maybe City feels good about um, taking us to the woodshed at home, but ultimately, it doesn't matter. Uh, it really doesn't. For the long term, it doesn't matter this year. And we'll see if City, you know, thinks that they're hot stuff and, and can carry it over to, uh, to next year. But really, you know, we had chances. We didn't convert them. City had chances. They converted them. Our whole defense was so wide open. Um, it was like watching uh, Arsenal play defense. Um, so, uh, you know, we lost. It happens. Uh, we move on to the next one. We'll still be champions next game. Scott, uh, Spurs, quick uh, synopsis, and then we'll, we'll jump forward.
3: I have several points I must get most of them since I've been talking so much. There's one point that really bothered me, and this is timestamp verified. Check my Twitter feed. I was very pissed about the lineup when it came very out. Very
1: mad. Very mad. I bad. was
3: big-time mad about the lineup. And and this is kind of an overarching point I have with lineups, and I'm not a football soccer expert. Mourinho has forgotten more than I'll ever know. I want to just say that. But for me, it's critical how you set up your attack. You, you have to have a balanced attack. You have to have creators – finishers and runners you have to have people who are going to make the pass and people who want to receive the pass and he talked after the match about how he was disappointed because he put out such an aggressive team well lucas son kane and bergwine want to be the ones that receive the pass they don't want to be the ones that make it so there's no balance in the attack they're all aggressive they want to get on the end of it and you saw it in the first half we had over 60 percent possession one shot on goal because we couldn't find the final ball. It's like Bruno at United. He's unlocked the final ball. We have some players like that. Deli, Lamella, and LaCelso was in the match, but he can't be the only one taking the creative burden. It was just not a good lineup. It pissed me off from the jump. And if you check my tweets, you knew I I said it was going to be a creative struggle and it was, and I I wanted to be wrong, but I wasn't. And if you remember last week's pod, I mentioned Dali Ali was going to be the key to this game because he was going to be the one that could find that space where, where Sheffield left it open trying to defend the attacking group. And he, he sat him. He sat him and Lamella. There was just no creativity. And your attack has to have balance or you're going to get matches like this where you hold the ball and you can't, you can't even get a shot off because Sheffield's just going to sit back and say, okay, these guys aren't going to get behind us. So what are you going to do in front of us? And there was not a player out there who could make that pass, find that space, and set one of those other four up for the chance. And it was always going to be that way.
4: Do you think that because next, like, then their next game is against Everton, do you think they're going to learn that lesson and thank, have creators?
3: Thank God it's against Everton because Everton will at least try to play with us. If if somebody tries to sit back like Sheffield, they're they're going to frustrate us. And because Mourinho really wants to be the one who absorbs the pressure and and hits on the counter, so so for us to play against Sheffield and put out that kind of lineup. It was always going to be tough. So I'm hoping, even if he tries this again, those players, Lucas, Bergwijn, Son, and Kane on the counter, good luck. And if, I don't, I'll talk about it later, but I, that's a great question. And I hope they try to come at us and it's a more open game because we are deadly on the counter with that group. And I, I don't even want to talk about VAR. It, that was ridiculous. Don't, uh, according to the letter of the law, he did handle the ball. Mora did handle the ball, but he got fouled going down like the reason he hit his hand on the ball is because he got pushed over and the referee played advantage so what should have happened is okay handball and then they they give us the free kick and i actually saw saw some tweets after the match from some journalists that said that exactly and um it, look it's frustrating it should have been a free kick where sheffield got the free kick because clearly there was no advantage if immediately the ball was handled by us so i don't want to belabor it VAR sucks
1: well yeah, I, I, it, there's definitely been
3: a lot of controversy with VAR this year,
1: um, even especially after the restart. So we'll, uh, we'll see uh, what that looks like next year. So you uh, touched on it briefly, but uh, we have a couple feature matchups for this week. So we are going to kick it off. Uh, big game uh, for European spot uh, contention. We've got Eric um, doing the recap, or sorry, not recap, the preview
0: of the Wolves-Arsenal uh, game Saturday uh, at 1230 Eastern. Eric. Thanks, Giff. I really appreciate it. It is a big fixture, actually. Uh, the table position, we got Wolves at sixth in the table. They're fighting for Europa League, a possible Champions League with the Man City ruling with Man United um, to be determined. Um, uh, or Man United um, fighting for the position. Arthur, Arsenal's in 10th place with 43 points. They're probably out of Champions League, no matter what that other player said earlier, in Europa. Spurs are heading with 45, so it's just a tough battle for Pride to finish at the top quarter of the table. Um, I did some digging into head-to-head. The Wolves are actually drawn or tied the last three matches of Arsenal, 1-1 2018, 3-1 win and 1-1 draw in 2019. Um, beyond that, they haven't really played them uh, close since 2012. Um, the recent form, the Re- Wolves' recent form is actually pretty good. They're playing some good soccer. They're unbeaten in their last six. The Gunners are a little bit shaky. They lost four of their last six, um, not counting the FA Cup win. Uh, I did some, did some elementary digging and some stats. Uh, see, the average scored goals per match, Arsenal's at 1.9, Wolves are at 1.7, which is pretty pretty evenly matched to me. Um, the average goals conceded is where it gets a little bit different, right? Arsenal got to 1.2, um, goals conceded per game, um, Wolves are at 0.9, right? And so I also looked at when they, I also looked at when they score goals, right? So if you look at when they score goals, um, the Wolves score um, between 16 and 30 minutes, 22% of their goals. Um, after coming out of the halftime, 26% of their goals. So it's almost it's about half of their goals either right before halftime or right after halftime. Um, if you look at Arsenal, we got um, 16 to th- or 31 to 45 minutes, 23%. Um, coming out of halftime, only 10%. 61 to 75 minutes, about 12%. But then a whopping what stuck out of me is um, a whopping 76. Uh, um, or in 76 90 minutes at the end of the game 43 percent of the goals have scored so if you look for a late w- winner with arsenal it could be possible overall i just look for a tough matchup um i could see it going being a draw one one two one i know we're getting to predictions um later i think it'll be just a, a tough low scoring game and it wouldn't surprise you if either team really won what do you guys think
1: i'll uh, i'll jump into that um, when i do my picks but i i think that's a great breakdown
2: Anybody?
4: Cool. I I see Wolves taking it,
2: but. Yeah,
1: well, I guess uh, that's why they play the game is what they say. Uh, Scott, I know that uh, you you had a chance to put it in the throat, uh, Lonsinger, and uh, are ready to uh, chat again because you've got uh, another game coming up um, that's pretty big. So Tottenham-Everton, you you touched on it briefly. Uh, Finish your breakdown for us.
3: I'm going to apologize for everyone who hates my voice as much as I do that I've been talking so much, but so this one, I've kind of touched on it a little bit. So I think it really really is going to come down to a couple of key things. Like I touched on earlier with Everton between Sidibe and Dine, they've kind of contributed. They've definitely contributed, excuse me, quite a bit to their attack. And that's such an interesting matchup against Spurs, a club who want to get forward and who want to put the pressure on you. It's going to be an interesting battle. And if you just watch our wide forwards, and where they are on the pitch compared to Everton's fullbacks. So Everton wants to get Sidi Bandinier forward. Well, good luck because you're going to be defending Sun Hyung Min and Steven Bergwijn, two of the fastest, most electric wide forwards in the league. So if, if Everton try to push those guys forward, Sun and Bergwijn in behind them are gonna just burn them. And good luck with the central defensive pairing with them and Kane through the middle. But what that does mean is if they do get forward, they're gonna have some some chances to whip crosses in. And I'm not as confident in Davinson sanchez and eric dyer to control crosses the good news is calvert lewin and richarlison aren't great with their head so but it do have a great pace so it, it'll be an interesting counter-attacking match whoever has the ball will probably just because both teams are really relaxed versus the white forwards where we are in the field where they are in the field I think that Spurs are probably going to control this because I think the wide forwards will scare Ancelotti enough that they'll pin the fullbacks back and Everton's attack will be a little bit stifled because of it. Sigurds- Sigurdsson might whip in a free kick or, or slide a through ball in, but I think Spurs will probably take it out 2-0, I believe. They'll control the match and, and handle it that way.
1: How you pick Spurs every week?
3: Hey, today's to do, baby. I can't, w- <laughs> I can't quit him.
1: It's what he does. <laughs>
3: <laughs> i think i'd pick liverpool too to be fair
1: uh, cool so uh we are going to uh jump forward to uh something a little bit uh new um so i am going to um toss it over to scott and jen we have a little um a segment that we're doing called over under points um give me a little quick explanation for the viewers and then we'll uh, we'll jump into it
4: okay so looking at the remaining schedules Um, you guys know that we have six games remaining, which means there is, um, at most 18 points available for, um, each team, you know, so you've got, um, looking at the strength of schedule, basically what, what I did is I looked at the strength of schedule, looked at points, you know, that where they were sitting and then kind of tried to forecast, um, what we thought was going to happen. Um, by the end of the season and so being trying to be a little conservative and not a complete homer um, you know just kind of did some math tried to figure out where everybody was gonna wind up and then um, collaborated with our stats guru um, who looked at it um, a little more scientifically one of the things that I thought was really interesting in our conversation um, was the way that the lack of crowds not playing at home in front of a home crowd, not playing away in front of an away crowd um, really kind of neutralizes, I think some of the matchups that, um, that would have potentially been, you know, maybe the outcome would have been a little different, but um yeah, so is there anything you want to add, Scott, before we actually give them the numbers?
3: No, no, I think you did a great job. Just really quick, all I did, I went in and I, I checked what, if, if you remember, I've touched a little bit on expected goals scored and expected goals conceded, and there's kind of uh, a, a offshoot of that, which is expected points. Um, and what I did, I, I took home and away matches, what, what teams have done home and away for the whole season what their expected points at home expected points away are and then i factored in like jen said some of the the advantages that aren't there for home teams right now so i did factor that in a little bit and i said okay based on the expected points data this is what their point total would be and jen and i collaborated and said okay this is what the data says and this is what jen her brilliance and her reading of the schedule says and this is what we think the over/under should be for points
4: All right, so let's let you guys weigh in. So, all right, so Liverpool is currently sitting at 86 points. Their remaining schedule, Aston Villa, Brighton, Burnley, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Newcastle. Um, In those remaining six games, do you think they're going to be higher or lower than 100.5? You taking the over or the under? Under. So under. Be-
2: yeah, because their season's finished. Okay. Th- there's nothing that they can play for now. They're the champions, so they're done, right? So their motivation is so low. And as you saw today, they've had a week week of drinking, celebrating mm-hmm. already. Klopp will probably get into them, so the next few games they make they'll probably win. But in the crucial games where other teams really need the points. How to get teams to get them? That I means right. they'd have to what, win every
1: single one of their last games to get over that. Because if they tie, they'd be at one, two. Yeah, I'll take the under.
0: Okay. I, I will too. I'll agree with Christian. I'll take the under after what I saw today, and he's right. Klopp will get after him, and we'll beat the likes of you know, uh, you know, uh, what'd you say, Burnley? I think was one of the matches. Mm-hmm. Burnley, Crystal Palace. Uh, We'll meet some of those in Newcastle. We'll meet some of those middling teams. But if Chelsea needs the points, they're going to come looking for blood. So I'm going to say under.
3: Okay. Scott? I'm going to go under as well. I have them at an even 100.
4: (laughs) Fair enough. Okay. So um, Charles was kind enough to give us his picks um, before he boarded his plane. Um, He took me over and I took me over. And part of the reason why I took the over is even if we drop one, that leaves us with 15 points and 15 points would put us at one Oh one. So, um, I think after the bow weapon they got today, um, I think part of what will be going on in the back of their mind is we can take their, um, centurion mantle from them. But anyway, so. We'll see. Okay. So, Man City um, is sitting at 66 points right now. So, they're remaining. So, they've got Norwich, Watford, um, Bournemouth, Brighton, Newcastle, um, and Southampton. So, crunching the numbers, do you think they're going to be over or under 81.5?
0: under
4: christian
2: over i can't see city losing again this season apart from Gene added in the fa Cup final <laughs> <laughs> fair enough
0: i definitely okay. I, def- I think they're out for blood i think they're definitely over and that's a pretty easy fixture uh, schedule with the fixtures i, I s- definitely say over bet the house over
4: okay
3: i say Scott? over too i see them at 80 80- i see them at 83 they might drop Drop one via draw, but they're going to be on fire.
4: Okay. So, Christian also, or sorry, Charles also took the over, and I'm taking the over as well. So, okay, Leicester, which we've been kind of mean to, but they brought it on themselves. So, they are currently sitting at 55 points. Their remaining schedule is Crystal Palace, Arsenal. Um, let's see Sheffield United, Tottenham, man United, and there's somebody else that they're playing, but it's a middle of the table person, so um in that remaining six games, do you guys see them getting over sixty six point five?
1: Nope, they are
0: going to fall off the cliffs like like they have been. Okay. I think so as well. I think they might do a little bit better than they last they have in the last couple of matches, but I think overall they won't reach that with that those fixtures.
4: Okay. Christian? Christian? I think
2: I think they will. I think they will. Okay. I think they they'll get it. I think they've been unfortunate in some of their losses. They have a few easy-ish games, but I think
3: they'll fall short of uh, Champions League.
4: Hi. Okay, I see what you're saying.
3: Scott? I'm gonna go under. I think I've been pretty harsh on Lester since we started the pod. And I'm gonna continue it. That's a tough running though. It really is. I, I see him at sixty-three. So them.
4: <laughs> uh Charles <laughs> took me under and I'm also gonna take me under. And that's um yeah, like I I think between Arsenal Sheffield United, Tottenham and man United they're gonna drop some of those, so I just I don't see them holding on so all right, Chelsea is our next one. Um, Chelsea's sitting at fifty four points. Their remaining schedule is Watford Crystal Palace, Sheffield United, Norwich, Liverpool, and Wolverhampton. Do you guys see them scoring enough points to go from fifty four to sixty six and a half? Over or under?
1: Um, I shall take the over.
0: Okay. I will too. I think they're. I think they're red hot. I think, like I said, the fixtures have a lot to do with it. I think the fixtures are very favorable favorable towards them. I'm gonna take the over as well.
2: I'm taking Christian. the under. That's
3: under. the bottle it.
0: Okay. Scott.
3: This is interesting. I I went through their fixtures and I had them right at 66, which would be under, but I hate them. So I knew I was a bit too pessimistic. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the the half point hook here and I'm going to just go over.
4: Okay. So Charles took the under and I'm going to take the under as well. I just think between Liverpool and Wolverhampton, um, I just, uh, and Sheffield United. I just, I don't know if they're going to be able to get it all done. So, okay. So Man United currently is sitting at 52 points. Um, their remaining schedule is Bournemouth, Aston Villa, Southampton, Crystal Palace, um, Leicester. And then they've got one more. Um, yeah. And West Ham. Sorry. So in those six games do you think they've got enough to get from 52 to 66 and a half?
1: I hope they get zero more points so I'm taking the under.
4: <laughs> Christian? Or do you want to do you want to save yours for last? Since No. I'll boys. go with
2: I'll go with under as well.
4: What? Okay.
3: All right. No, 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 no. That's a reverse jinx. I've known you long enough in the past (laughs) three weeks. Three weeks, that's a reverse jinx. I know what you're doing. United are are flying. I think they might take every point they can possibly take. I'm going over.
0: I agree with Scott. I think they are flying. I'm gonna go over as well, easy.
4: Okay. So Charles is going over and I'm going over. So, I think at most they may tie one, but I see them, if not winning out completely, at least winning five of the six. So, Okay, Wolverhampton is also sitting at 52 points. So, their remaining schedule is um, Arsenal, Sheffield United, Everton, Burnley, Crystal Palace, and Chelsea. So in those six remaining games, do you think they are going to be able to go from 52 to 63 and a half over or under?
1: Um, I'll take the over. I think that they are hot. I think they're the only uh, one of the teams uh, that we're talking about here that have a chance at the uh, champions league. And um, I don't know if they get it, but I'll take the over.
2: Okay, Christian? Under. Okay. They they score goals in the
3: second half. They're very lucky.
4: Okay.
0: Scott?
3: I went over here, barely, but I'm going to go over.
0: Eric? As much as I'd love to, I'm going to go under. I just think that one of the the things that makes them not a top four side is they'll lose to somebody that they really shouldn't. I think they'll lose a couple matchups and they really shouldn't. So I'm going to go just under.
4: Okay. Charles went under. And I'm actually going to take the over on this one. So um, I think they may tie some, but I don't necessarily see them losing a whole bunch. Okay. Um, so when we did this, we had the top eight. And um, today's games added a wrinkle. So... We're going to just – we can come back to Arsenal, possibly. Um, We don't have Scott's numbers on Arsenal, but we can maybe do something. So, anyway, let's do Tottenham. Huh?
1: Hey Jen, why don't uh, since we've got really looking at the the Champions League spots, we've got a top six that are um, you know in there for that spot. Why don't we um, cut it off at this point since the tables kind of changed since then, and we uh, we move on to um, the pick'em recaps and uh, the pickems for next week's
4: games. You know what? So. Why don't we do this because we do have the data on the other ones. Instead of doing it now, why don't we do it and put it on Twitter? Perfect. Um, And we can – you guys can see what we do for Tottenham, Sheffield United, and Arsenal Online.
1: Absolutely. And then if you guys want to follow us on Twitter, uh, Jen's put a lot of time into this, follow us again, uh, F-I-V-E-A-T-B. And then uh, we will – we'll talk about this uh, there. So pick and recap. We, uh, we neglected to, uh, to give you the recap of our week one results. Uh, the host did a poor job uh, on uh, bringing that up last week. So he is going to correct his mistakes from this week uh, and give you a quick rundown. Uh, week one saw Charles uh, come in strong with the lead at five, uh, Scott uh, in second at four, Jen with three, and Eric and I picking up the rear with uh, two wins in week one. Week two, though. Game changer. Jen, four. Four wins that you picked last week, just crushing the competition, because the next closest one was Eric with two, Christian and I uh, managed one apiece, and uh, Scott, uh, much like Spurs' trophy case, a zero. Uh, So, we're going to go ahead and throw the United... We're going to throw the United uh, scores together uh, for purposes of uh, tallying. Uh, and that brings Jen into a solid first place lead of seven, uh, Charles uh, with six, uh, Scott and Eric uh, with four, and me bringing up the rear with uh, with three. So with that being said, uh, we're going to go uh, quickly through this week's games. Uh, Christian, you are going to run through them. We are going to give you our picks uh, yay or nay and, or tie, I guess, and then we'll uh, we'll jump uh, to the automatic loser, Christian. Who we got this week?
2: All right. So the five games that I chose, uh, uh, both from the bottom and from the top. First one, relegation battle: Norwich versus Brighton. Jen. Hey, Jen.
4: Sorry, 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 sorry. Um, I actually am going to go with a draw on this one. So. Um, and charles again sent me his stuff and he's picking brighton
0: all right eric right. like you said it's a great relegation battle i can see it low scoring i'm gonna go with draw as well if that's okay phil yep uh,
1: i've got uh, i've got brighton let's go
3: i have brighton too two teams that are very open for being newly promoted it's gonna be a fun one two nil.
2: I'm gonna go for Norwich. They have to win eventually. All right, second game I chose Europa League battle: Wolves versus Arsenal.
4: Jen. So I'm going with Wolves, and Charles picked draw. Oh, uh,
0: this is right. a good one. You you picked some good matchups this week. I'm gonna go with uh, Wolves in a tight
3: one. Wolves.
1: I've got Arsenal.
3: Scott? That is disgusting, Skiff. I got Wolves (laughs) 2-1.
2: I've also got Wolves. There's no way Arsenal can handle Wolves front line. No way. All right. The third game that I chose is Burnley versus Sheffield United. Jen?
4: I'm going to go with Sheffield United. And so is Charles, apparently.
0: Mark me down for Sheffield as well. I'm going to keep picking Sheffield until they actually win. They did today.
3: Oh, well, I didn't pick them. <laughs> Come on. Uh, uh, was that on purpose? Come on. You know it.
2: We planned it. Scott?
3: <laughs> this, this match is going to be 90 minutes of the Spider-Man meme where they're just pointing back and forth at each other. It's the same squad. No <laughs> nil draw.
2: I'm going to go for Burnley. I think, uh, I think Sheffield's win today was an anomaly because they were playing an easy team. All right. Number four, Leicester versus Crystal Palace. <laughs> Jen.
4: So I am going with a draw and actually, actually, so is Charles. Oh, okay, cool. Oh,
0: uh, this was a All tough right. one. I'm going to, uh, oh gosh, I think Leicester's probably do. I'm going to say Leicester in a tight one. Since I can't
3: pronounce one of the teams, I'm going with a tight
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: Scott. I won't pick Leicester until they win one. I'm going to go with the draw.
2: I'm going to go with Palace and United moving to the top four. All right. The final matchup, Tottenham versus Everton.
4: Uh, um, I, I want to believe that Tottenham is going to make the adjustments um, that they need to make and that Everton is – not quite ready to go the distance um so scott i'm gonna try and speak it into existence dude um i'll go with tottenham um
3: the check is in the mail
4: yeah right um actually and so is charles so okay so maybe both of us will help with that
0: I can never I root for Neverton. I, I just can't. I think Tottenham will have too much form, although they're much uh, improved with Ancelotti. I'm going to go with uh, Tottenham.
1: So I think that Jose uh, Jose Jose's it,
2: and it ends up in a tie.
3: Scott? You heard my breakdown. Two no Spurs.
2: I did. I mean, it, you guys, it's like none of you watched today's game. Everton. All right, and that's it for the top. Five games of the week. So yes, we're sorry. gonna we're gonna go uh on to the uh the automatic um loser
1: bet uh, where this team is one hundred percent not going to happen. They're absolutely going to uh lose. Uh so Charles picked uh South uh, Hampton. Christian, you're next on the list. Who you got? They're absolutely going to lose.
2: Everton <laughs>
4: out
0: all right uh eric i picked watford versus chelsea you book it I, I really think chelsea's gonna be him.
4: all right uh jen so my automatic loser is villa um i think um liverpool has some they have something to prove wait hold on just a second christian did you yes You can't do
3: that. He did.
4: He's doubling his odds. (laughs) Why can't (laughs) I do it?
3: So, man, we can do whatever you want. That's the the real way to do it. I'm just
4: letting you know if you weren't a (laughs) guest, that would be super shady.
3: Okay, whatever. It'll end up a draw now, and he'll, he'll lose both. Go ahead, Scotty i'm gonna go with watford as much as it makes me sick for chelsea to win that west ham match is gonna piss them off west ham had three shots on target and they scored all three chelsea's gonna be pissed watford
1: uh and so i picked bournemouth uh as my uh automatic loser and that will bring us to the underdog victory this team is not favored in the odds um the odds say that if you put money on them you're going to lose your money but hey, we're not putting any money on them. And, you know, I'm way behind in this pick contest. I mean, you see me. I, I'm kind of like, um, you know, Manchester United looking up at Liverpool uh, with how far back I am. So I went ahead and doubled up. I am going to say that Arsenal uh, is the pick for me in both my pick'em and my underdog. So two points for me on the line here uh, with my pick. Scott, who you got?
3: Very brave of you to rest the fate of your pick'em season on Arsenal. <laughs> right? Arsenal, you're you're gonna do that? I'll let you let's let him change his mind, guys. You wanna let him change his mind? Nope. You heard it. All I right. heard
4: it. It's tight in right. the thing.
3: I think it's hilarious that West Ham are the favorites. You know they're go I think they're going down even after the Chelsea fluke. Burnley are gonna beat West Ham. Three shots on target. They scored all three. No chance. Burnley Burnley beat West Ham on Wednesday. Jen. So-
4: Okay, so my underdog is going to be Southampton. Um, just I, I think they're going to get the job done.
0: Cool. Well, my my underdog needs to actually be changed. Whoever's doing that, Jen, if you want to change, it. I said Leicester up ahead for the pickem. Uh, I'm actually going to go with Palace. I'm going to re- reverse that. And go with Palace and the close one over Leicester. Palace will be the underdog winner.
2: Christian, Bournemouth for the upset at Old Trafford.
3: See, the reverse jinx This is too much juju It's too much juju The juju is strong on you, Christian I see what he's doing, oh yeah
0: and
1: uh charles uh picked everton over tottenham so we will uh make sure we give you a uh a recap of that next week and see where we're at in the standings hopefully uh my gamble paid off but uh, it is arsenal so we shall see so that is going to bring us back uh to the last segment of the day what in the world of football so it's where we go into uh, something that's not related to Premier League or is. Uh, it can be um, Premier League related uh, like uh, Mr. Guardiola telling uh, the press that Liverpool looked like they had uh, beer uh, in them still during this game. Or it can be uh, like last week where we had... Uh, Let's talk about Putin and uh, essentially fixing the uh, the Russian match uh, playing with kids. So what in the world of football? What do we have today, guys? Who's got something uh, fun to tell the
0: audience? Well, I have something fun. Um, this is a great, like a feel-good story. I came across this the other day. It's, um, it's called Tiny Islands with Big Plans. And basically what it's about is France's last remaining territory in North America. It's a tiny island chain actually found near Canada called St. Pierre and uh, could be the 42nd member of CONCACAF. So what they're doing is they're trying to big, get a big enough following and really petition CONCACAF into letting them in, which will let them into all competitions in North America. So these islands are, like, really small. They have less than 6,000 uh, people, and they have um, only three clubs in the local league. Um, their junior sides take a boat, actually, to compete in Canada's Newfoundland Cup, which shows you how small they are. And they've tried to enter a club in the French Cup since 2003 we um, were rebuffed every time, but in 2018 19, the French Federation, Federation actually let them in. So basically, it's these small islands trying to get into being the 42nd member CONCACAF, I think, which would really show that soccer is a, truly indeed a global game. Definitely,
1: definitely. And, and speaking of global game, to all of our um, Canadian listeners out there, I want to uh, wish you a happy uh, Canadian uh, Canada Day yesterday and salute uh, probably your current most. Uh, Famous player, which is Alphonso Davies, who plays for uh, Bayern Munich. Uh, he's just been tearing it up over there. Um, so salute to you, Canadians, um, and your country. Anybody else? What, what do we got? Scott?
3: I've got a quick one. I'm not sure if everybody's seeing this yet, but Sane, Leroy Sané went to Bayern for 54.8 million pounds. I think he's on like 400,000 pounds a week salary, which is just monopoly money. What monopoly money thinks that's ridiculous, right so outrageous he they've promised him that he he'll be the centerpiece of their squad, the reberee the robin, so that'll be interesting what city do with that money, especially with the pending uh case they've got,
0: and I believe that's coming up monday correct i I heard
3: it was pushed until the thirteenth okay that was what I heard today Guys,
0: maybe next got?
4: Been... Gonna say maybe next week we can talk about um how we think that decision is going to play out.
3: I, I think this is going to be the first transfer domino and, in, and in, in what happens now because Bayern have their man, they've spent their money. Now city have 55 million sitting in their pocket and Lord knows they want to spend more than that. So what they do, who they raid will be interesting and it's going to set off the, uh, the summer transfer window, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you, you've got a lot of uh, free agents out there. You've got a, a lot of uh, potentially unsettled players. Coutinho, where is he going to end up next year? So, um, you know, a lot of it also depends on uh, how that ruling comes out. So, a lot of uh, a lot of pieces out there um, that are yet to be settled. Uh, parting words, anybody? Uh, you, you got anything uh, you want to say to the audience before we
4: sign off? Happy Fourth of July. I mean, it's coming soon. <laughs>
1: Be safe. Don't blow off any fingers. Right. Uh, enjoy uh, your independence, Christian. Sorry that uh, sorry we're not part of your country um, anymore. But
2: uh, hey, I'm an American.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Hey guys, uh, everybody who listened, um, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Again, follow us on Twitter, um, Christian. Thanks for uh, filling in. Again, uh, you're welcome here anytime. Uh, it's great talking with you. Again, have a safe, uh, happy um, 4th of July. Enjoy your long weekend, and uh, we'll be back next week. We appreciate it. Take care.